Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. in a few minutes but we have a, a powerful young man with us didn't we enjoy the McDonald's with us for our 80th anniversary wasn't that wonderful amen man there's no doubt I've watched this young man Simon the hand of the Lord on him since he was just a little guy Bible quizzing and uh, he and his sister are national champion Bible quizzers and they are isn't that awesome all the way from Eureka California from the moment he was just a little boy, I've, I've, I've known him. Watch him quiz and at, at, at national sing and testify and pray. This is an outstanding family. We're so privileged that they were with us this past week and last weekend. But I want him to come and open his heart for a few moments. And I'm just going to welcome the man of God, Brother Simon McDonald, come preach to us. Open your heart. Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. Helps when you have a microphone, praise God. Everyone, there we go. Thank you, Jesus. I count it such a privilege and such an honor to be in the house of the Lord with you all tonight. I, uh, as long with my father, I also would say I'm a member of the Anchor Church. I often tune into your services, and it's such a blessing each time. So thank you for allowing us to be here tonight. And then, of course, it's such an honor to stand before you tonight. And I recognize that I'm young, but I believe that the Lord speaks to me and if you'll allow me tonight, I'd like to share with you what the Lord's been talking to me about, what I've been feeling in my spirit. Are you ready to preach with the young preacher tonight? Amen. I'd like to turn to your attention to John chapter 15. John chapter 15 and verse 5. When you have it, say amen. If you're looking at the screen, say amen. Amen. John chapter 15 and verse 5 says, I am the vine, and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. That's a verse you can be seated tonight. That's a verse that the Lord's been talking to me about a lot lately. And I believe that's what God desires for us in this last day, is not for us to be seeking our own agenda, but God desires that we would just be an extension of His Spirit, that we would be His body on the earth today, that we would minister and love and reach for our world the same way that He would if Jesus Christ was walking the earth today. That's our calling. Amen? Amen. Sister Lex, she talked about it in youth. She discussed it, and she talked about pride, and she talked about us not wanting to glorify our own name, not wanting to bring ourselves to glory, not wanting to get recognition or admiration or attention to ourselves. But she said, we're called that he would be known. And so I believe in this last day, God's raising up people, men and women that wouldn't be concerned with their own agenda, that wouldn't be concerned with their own reputation with man, that wouldn't be concerned with looking good in front of people. But I believe God's calling us in this last day to be raised up, to lift him up to our world, to let his light shine through us, to let his spirit flow through us undefiled, unpolluted by the things of this world, un unfocused on ourselves, but that all attention, all glory would go to him. Amen? Amen. I believe we must become unknown 
so that his name can be known. I believe we must decrease that he might increase. In Jesus' name. I believe what I, one of the things that I feel is I believe there's going to be a lot of times in, in these last day church and the revival that God's beginning even now. I believe there's going to be a lot of sermons that are preached by nameless preachers that nobody knows who they are. They don't need to introduce themselves. They don't need to celebrate themselves, but that everyone would be striving towards the same cause, that everybody would be reaching just for the mission, just that the Great Commission would be fulfilled. And I believe that we're not going to be turning to ourselves, but that anybody who's ready, anybody who's willing would stand up and proclaim the word of the Lord to our generation. That, that God might fulfill his great plans that he has. I believe God has called for his church in this last day to be so united and so in one accord and so focused on his purpose that it doesn't matter who lays hands on the person that gets healed. It doesn't matter who gives the sermon. It doesn't matter who's in front, who's in the back. It doesn't matter who's in what church on what platform. But God, let us be a church that is only striving for your purpose and your glory and that your mission, your gospel would be preached in this last day. Amen. Amen. Also from that verse that says, I'm the vine and you're the branches. I believe there's another principle that the Lord is talking to us about as a collective. He's the vine and we're the branches. I believe strongly that the Lord is elevating this church in this season with, with the 80th that's gone on and just with the moments, with the, the property at the Y Bridge. I believe God's in a season where he's just elevating this church. And he's ready to take you guys to another level. He's ready to do something that's been prophesied, that's been prayed about, that's been talked about. I believe that's the season that this is in. I think anybody can feel that, anybody that's sensitive to the Holy Ghost. But as God elevates this church, as God gives you greater influence in this community, as God gives you authority in regions and lets you influence politically what's going on and lets you be a force financially that you would be able to fund all the works that he's going to do, God wants to make sure that as, as he lifts you up, we have to make sure that our hearts are pure. We have to make sure that our lives are pure and undefiled. Because as you are the voice that's speaking into this community, in this region, all of these cities around, all of the daughter work churches, it's so important that everything that comes out of us is just flowing down from him. It's so important that we're not drawing from any other sources, that we're not drawing from within ourselves, that we're not drawing from within our own ability or our own thoughts or our own personality or background. But God's called us to simply be a conduit for his spirit to flow through. God's called us to be vessels that he can use, just that he pours himself in and then pours himself out. It's not about us at all. It's not about our strengths. And it's not about our weaknesses. It's not about what we can do or what we can't do. But it's Christ in us to our world. It's God moving through us, moving through his church. And I believe that's what he's getting ready to do here. The more your light shines, the more influence you have, the greater amount of purity that is required to carry that mantle and that weight. It's increasingly more important that we be pure in every area of our lives, in every facet of our lifestyle. God's been dealing with me of late in the last season that I've been in. And one of the verses that I can't get away from is the verse that says 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15. And it says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Because if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And in this last day, I feel that God is moving. I feel the pull of the Holy Ghost that's saying, I want a bride that would turn their back on the world. I believe God wants a bride that's not willing to flirt with the enemy, that's not willing to have fellowship with the enemy. But I believe that in this last day, God's raising up a church that's going to be radically separated unto him. I'll tell you how I feel. I don't want anything that the world has to offer. I don't want anything that came from the world. I don't want anything that looks like the world. I don't want anything that sounds like the world. 
This precious truth, the precious pure flow of God's presence is too important for me to, to dumb it down, to let it become polluted with the things of this world. But God, let us be a church that's undefiled. God, let us be a church that's seeking only after you in this last day. Let us love not the world, nor the things that are in the world. You can be seated. I believe one of the ways that applies is what I mentioned earlier. Because this church is being lifted up, there's a greater standard that you're called to. Because the Lord's allowing you to be a voice and allowing you to be a launching pad and allowing this to be a hub for apostolic authority, it's so important that we're not defiled. It's so important because you're pouring out. You're pouring out into this region. You're pouring out into these communities. And so what we're pouring out has got to be pure. Because ultimately, nothing that we can do in our own ability can get the job done. You see the brokenness that's in our world, that's in our streets, that, uh, that's in every house. People are broken everywhere you go. And they don't need a nice sermon. They don't need somebody that's eloquent. What Sister Lex talked about this morning, they don't need man's ability or man's talent, no matter how great our ideas are, no matter what God's gifted us with. The only thing that's going to make a difference in somebody's life is the power of the Holy Ghost. The only thing that's going to make a difference that's going to bring about the last day revival, the former and the latter reign together, is His Spirit. And it's only going to be when it's not about us, when it's not about our agenda, when we've talked turned our back on the things of this world and we seek after him and we let him move through us, that's when God's going to be able to do what he desires to do in this last day. I prayed, Lord, let me love what you love and let me hate what you hate. And God answered that prayer more and more. I hate the things of this world. I hate anything that tries to draw me that way. I hate anything that tries to just dumb down his spirit or defile what he wants to do because this truth is so precious. The power of this truth is when it's undefiled. The power of this truth is when it's uncompromised. The power of this truth is when it's unadulterated. So I challenge you tonight, if you can hear something from me, don't let anything get in your heart that would Stop what God wants to do. Don't let anything come in your home that would defile the word that God wants to speak through your mouth. Don't let anything stop your prayer life. Don't let anything get in between the pure flow from heaven through you to this world. In the name of Jesus, would you lift your hands tonight? Would you pray to the Lord tonight? Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Let's stand to our feet, clap our hands, and thank God for the word. Come on, isn't it powerful what God's doing in this generation? These young men and these young women, they want truth. That's what they want. They want Jesus more than anything in their world. Oh, let's respond to that right now. God, let our hearts be pure. Let our homes be pure. Let nothing, oh God, get in the way of what you want to do in us and through us, oh God. Purify our hearts and our minds. Let us have clean hands and a pure heart today. Oh God, we need you. We need you, oh Lord. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Matthew 5, thank you, Brother Simon, for preaching to us today the word of the Lord. Praise God. I receive it in Jesus' name. How many receive the word of the Lord? Thank you, God. Thank you to every parent that let your children go to the youth retreat this weekend. Absolutely life-changing. Four young people were used in the gifts of the Spirit, gift of tongues, and the gift of interpretation. Our speaker told me, they said one young man, while he was giving the message of tongue, it looked like fire was coming out of his mouth. Praise God. Bishop Morgan prophesied that there are going to come young evangelists coming out of this church. They're going to be on fire, flaming evangelists. I believe it's happening. Oh, I feel a boldness upon me. This church is not going down. This church is on the rise. Amen. There's young people that love God. Yes, they do. They don't want to compromise in a dark world. They want truth. They want to be used of God. 
Hallelujah. So glad to have our good friend here, Pastor Simpson Ball. Your assistant pastor, we're so glad to have, so glad. Would you wave your hand over there? We're so glad to have y'all. Would you welcome them tonight? My friend, I love you. Thank you both for being here tonight. I'm so moved by it. Matthew 5, I'm telling you, the greatest things you've ever seen in the kingdom are upon us right now. I wouldn't back up. I wouldn't walk away. I'd jump in the middle of it and say, I'm involved in it. I want to be a part of it. How many believe it? This isn't a Zanesville thing. He's going to do it in every heart, every home, every city that wants it. If you want it, shout yes! I want a revival like I've never seen before. Amen. It's going to happen. It's an end time revival. It's an end time revival. You believe it? Shout amen. I'm stirred to the core. God is visiting us in a powerful and mighty way. Hallelujah. It's not going to one denomination. It's going to hit every hungry denomination. If you believe that, say amen. Men and women, boys and girls, seasoned and not seasoned, new converts and old saints, there's a revival. There's a revival. There is a stirring. Amen. Matthew 5. I need to jump in the word of the Lord. He said in Matthew chapter 5 in verse 14, he said, ye are the light of the world. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all. Somebody shout all that are in the house. He said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Let them see your light and glorify God. Not my light, his light. Not me, him. Hallelujah. How many believe God wants to move among us tonight? I'd like to preach to you for a few moments simply a city set on a hill. Clap your hands and praise him for his word. Oh, go ahead and magnify. We've received so much word. My goodness, we're ready. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I want you to look at three people and tell them the darker the night, the brighter the light. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. You may be seated. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. How many feel privileged to be in the house of the Lord this evening? How many have come to praise him tonight? You came tonight to give him praise and glory and adoration. Come on, if he's ever done anything for you, I think you ought to give him a high praise again. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Woo! Glory! The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1. He tells the next generation... Paul the Apostle speaks to Timothy in his last writings, the last book that he wrote, next to the last chapter of his writing. He said, this know also that in the last days. You realize that you can't get any more last than last. The last days. We are living in the last days. Do you believe that? He said, perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. Said they would be truce breakers and false accusers, incontinent and fierce, despisers of those that are good. Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God. 
having a form of godliness, religion, but denying the power thereof. From such, from such, turn away. They have a form of godliness. They have a building structure that maybe even is beautiful. When you begin to look at the kingdom, you've got to understand that there must be an element of structure in the kingdom. It's a form of godliness. But what is it good to have a form of godliness and no power? I would say to you today that we need structure and we need a form of godliness. Tonight, this is an organized service. All of you knew what time to be here. Starts at 6 p.m., right on the money. I was a little bit behind, had a meeting before church with our pastors, and we had a great time together of fellowship, and it started whether I was in here or not because we've taught them to start on time. It's a set structure. Tonight, there was already planned what songs we're going to sing. We didn't come here, and aren't you glad we didn't try to figure them out during service? Like when I was growing up, I saw in some churches that nobody knew what was going to happen until church started. The singers, the pastor, anybody else in the building didn't know what was going on because they had no form. There was no structure. It was just fluidity. It was just fluid. And, and it would be something like this. Anybody have a song tonight? That's dangerous. Because there's always somebody who wanting to sing that can't. Amen. Anybody have a word tonight? There's always somebody wanting to preach that thinks they have a word and it's not of heaven. Amen. I've seen that come in and I, Cindy and I would evangelize. I'd go to churches and they, they, we, we would show up before anybody would be there. Sometimes when church is at six, the pastor wasn't even there. The saints weren't even there. We were there and at six o'clock, the door, around six o'clock, the door was just now open. Somebody's coming and flipping on the light and <coughs> cough, turn the lights on. People start gathering in. It's a little bit after and no, no form, no structure. And uh, I want you all to understand that we must have a structure. You, you, there, there's got to be a carved out plan. You've got to have a plan. You've got to have a structure that's in place. And this morning, you know, we've set the structure. 10 a.m., first word. 11 a.m., we, uh, we have uh, um, our church service at 11 a.m. Tonight, first, first Sunday of the month, we've got a 6 p.m. service. We, we know who's going to preach. We, we know who's going to be singing, who's going to be on the instruments, who's going to be at the door. There's a lot. There's 100-plus people to put a service together here at the Anchor. And, and the same way in, in our campuses, they've got great structures. We, we know who the pastor is. I'm convinced some places I went, they didn't know who the pastor was. Everybody thought they were the pastor. In our churches, we know who the pastor is and leadership and down as it tears down. We know who the teachers are and who's going to be in, who the, we, we know down who's going to be where and what's happening. It's called a structure. In the Bible, you had a structure and the tabernacle was laid out. God set, how many know when he designed the Ark of the Covenant? He told them exactly how tall, how wide, material. He had a form that they were to follow. We in the church... We must have a structure, a level of leadership. People got to know them that labor among you. You got to understand these things. And in the tabernacle, they had something called the menorah. It was, it was the seven-tiered golden candlesticks. It was three on each side and the one in the middle, seven tiers. It shows up, Jesus, in the New Testament, in the book of Revelation. It is, it, it, when you look, you'll find in the New Testament that there was the seven churches of Asia and Jesus was in the midst of all of them. How many know that? They all had their different issues, but they were... The church. They were the church. Every church was represented by a candle. It was represented by a light. When you look that Jesus was telling his disciples, his 12 disciples, he said, you are the light of the world. You are a city that is set on a hill that can't be hid. Oh yeah, that's exactly what he said. But when you look at the menorah, when you look at this, it is designed. It was, he told them exactly where the flowers would be, where the bowls would be, exactly. You can read in Exodus 25 and Exodus 37 when he told them how to build it and when they built it. What material was to be made of, how big it was going to be, it is all there. It was designed by God and that is a form of godliness. It was made of pure gold. It was beautiful to look at. It was defined. You didn't have to question which direction the candles were going to face. Everything was determined by God. It was a form of godliness. 
You must have a form. You must have a structure. You need to know who your pastor is. You need to know who the leaders are. You need to know what place you are, where you're in the kingdom. God operates always within a structure. Wouldn't it have been terrible tonight? You didn't know what time church was going to start. Who was going to sing? Who would be playing? What was going to happen? Wouldn't it have been terrible? You just go up to church. You never knew what was going to happen. No definition. Didn't know if I was going to be here, not going to be here. Who's going to be here, not going to be here. Let me tell you something. A structure defines consistency and faithfulness. You need to have a structure. There to be an amen in the building. But I'm going to teach you tonight what the Lord has dealt with me. What use is the structure if there is no light? What use is the golden candlesticks that were fueled by something that was fluid called the oil that flowed into the bowls that was the fuel that caused it to have the ability to burn? But what use is the flow of the oil if there is no fire? Can I say to you, if there's something we must have in this room, we must have the flow of the oil of God, which is the anointing of God, which is the Holy Spirit. We must have the oil. I'm gonna preach to you tonight what I feel. We can't just have a structure. There must be a flow. There must be a moving. There must be a moving of God, a moving of his spirit among us. Hallelujah. Somebody say there must be a flow. It convicts me today and twice in prayer the Lord has visited me on this subject because when I look at the scripture you talk about traitors and traitors and heading high-minded without natural affection, false accusers, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God having a form but no power. What good is a church with no power? What good is a preacher with no power? What good is a singer with no power? What good is a youth group with no power? What good is a grandma with no power? What good is dumb mom and dad with no power? We need more than just religious formality. There must be a move of God on each candlestick or it's all in vain. I don't care how pretty you look, how good your holiness is, if there is no oil, there is no power. I learned years ago, I'm gonna say to each of you that when God called me to preach, I didn't realize that when God called me to the ministry, there was gonna be a process of the, of the crushing of my life. I didn't realize when God called me to preach, friends were gonna walk away from me. I would deal with betrayal at a young age. I didn't realize the things I'd have to go through in moments what seemed like suffering, agony, emotionally, spiritually. Moments in my life that came against me and I realized in a verse that the Bible says that he was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. There, everybody that's ever been anointed can look over your life and find hard times and crushing moments. You'll never find anybody anointed that didn't have hard times and hard moments. Crushing moments, crushing moments. You'll find that before he went to the cross, he went to the garden. And in the garden, it was the garden of Gethsemane, which meant the oil press. When he got in that place, not even as close as three disciples could stay awake with him and pray because the Bible says he would, go, he would go through the place alone. And he went to this place, his three closest disciples fell asleep while he's in the garden knowing what's ahead of him, and that was an altar. That was a cross. That was Calvary. That was a place. Oh, God, have mercy. They tell me there was a rock quarry. That Golgotha's hill was a rock quarry. That's where they would, they would pull the rocks out. But they left Golgotha and it became known as the stone with the builders rejected. He was left all by himself. The Bible tells us as far that he was wounded in the house of his friends. He came into his own and his own received him not. As a matter of fact, one of his own, Judas Iscariot, walked up to him when he was in the garden at the Garden of, of Gethsemane, which meant an oil press, and he was kneeling at some rock, some stone. I personally believe it would have been an oil press. It would have been one of those stones where the olives would have been. An olive that would have been like a big cylinder, and they'd have a hole in the middle, and they'd have a mule that go in circles, and they'd lay the olives there, and there's a huge millstone that would roll in a circle and go around that. You can just picture it rolling. It would crush those olives and, and the crushing of the olives and the oil would be squeezed out of it. And in the process of making oil, what's called pure olive oil, is when they separate 
the, 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 the meat or of the olive away from the oil. And what it's called is removing the flesh. You can't have oil without the removing the flesh. And when Jesus was in the garden, one of his closest disciples walked up to him and kissed him on the cheek and betrayed him that day. But it was only a part of the process. Because what you've got to understand is when things are coming against you, they're not there to harm you. They're there to produce something that's going to bring power later. So you might have went through some cross, crosses. You might have went through some crisis. You might have had some hard things come against you in life. Maybe it was a family death. Maybe it was a relationship broken. Maybe it was something in your life. God didn't do it but maybe God allowed it because there's something going to come from you that comes from the crushing that's going to produce something that causes a flow that brings power to your life I come to preach to you today they spit in his face Oh, yes, they did. They plucked the beard from his face. They whipped him with a cat of nine tails and put 39 stripes on his back. He was bruised for our iniquities. He was wounded for our transgressions. They beat him so brutally. The Bible said there was nothing comely about him. He was innocent in all of his ways. It was just, he was just the lamb. and he was, he was crucified, nails in his hands and through his feet. Could I preach the way I feel tonight? And the devil and all of his angels were laughing. Look at the son of God now. He doesn't look so strong now. A man on one side is saying we deserve what we get. A man on the other side is still questioning who he is because that's what he had to deal with. His own biological brothers, half brothers, by Mary and Joseph, denied him, mocked him, even told him to go out on the streets so he could be killed because they didn't believe he was the man of God. He was the son of God. Oh no, the people in his life that's supposed to love him questioned him. It seemed like everything in his world except John and Mary turned against him and the devil laughed, the devil mocked. But what he didn't know is anytime you crush the body of Christ, oil always comes out. Anointing always comes out. I feel like preaching to you. Don't you let your crisis go in vain. Oil's coming out of your brokenness. Oil's coming out of your pain. I come in the Holy Ghost to tell you maybe you were abused as a child. Maybe things happened to you that have haunted your mind for years. I come to tell you the brokenness does not have to be in vain. Oil could come out of that that will bring so much healing to other broken people because oil comes from brokenness. Oil comes from brokenness. That's why on the anointing oil, when you study the anointing oil, it comes from broken pieces of a tree come from sap, they come from a broken limb, come from a piece of bark. Anything that deals with the anointing always comes from brokenness. I preach to you today that anytime the body of Christ has something to come against it, it always produces oil. You'll never have a preacher anointed that hadn't been wounded. Wounded by family, wounded by friends, wounded by life, wounded by circumstances. Anybody ever been wounded in the building? What's the purpose of the wounding? It allows fluidity. It allows you to not be so stiff. It allows you to be flexible. It allows you to begin to flow. What I'm preaching to you right now is where the pain came in, healing comes out. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, where the pain came into your life, healing's going to come out of your life. Elder Mealy, you know what we call that? We call it a testimony. If it hadn't been for the Lord on my side, Come on, anybody hear what I'm talking about? There were things that happened to you when you're six and seven and 10 that you're still ashamed to talk about, but God's gonna bring oil out of the pain. That's gonna bring healing to somebody that's been abused. I've come to preach to you. Power is in the brokenness. You lost a loved one, you lost a spouse, you lost a child. You went through a crisis of some sort and there was moments in your pain. You said, I don't know how I'm gonna get through this. But then the helping hands of the Lord picked you up. And the devil was laughing. The devil thought he had you where he wanted you. 
he thought it was over. You, you, you look so weak and bloody and broken down. Are y'all hearing me preach tonight? It looked like your life was over and he, he went on to somebody else, but what he didn't realize, when you are in the hands of God, brokenness always turns to power. Wounds always, pain always turns to healing. I come to preach to this church tonight. We're not gonna have a lamp without oil. We have been through enough to produce the oil that's gonna bring light to a hurting world. Oh, yes, we are. We have it. We, I'm not gonna reflect on my pain. I'm gonna reflect on he brought me out of this situation. He brought me out. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, pain always produces power. Somebody shout, pain produces power. Young people, you might have had somebody to walk out of your life, but pain produces power. You're gonna go through things, and I felt the Lord early to preach to you. When I got called to preach, I went through things I didn't know I was gonna go through. But I will look over my life and tell you it was worth every valley, it was worth every trial, it was worth every rejection, it was worth, it was worth it. He was wounded. You may be seated. There's a cross to bear. In that comes afflictions, even persecutions. How I many know oh, it's true? I'm not preaching to anybody that's ever been wounded, hurt. How many's ever been through a crisis? Hurt, question, why? The scripture says that if this, when hell, if hell would have known what would come out of a cross, they would have never touched him. I, I, listen, I, I pastor broken people, so let me preach to broken people. I, pa I pastor people that have made mistakes that broke things in their life, but they found redemption because God is merciful every day. <laughs> Failures are not final. His mercy is renewed every morning. I pastor people that were locked up and locked out, put out and put down but they have risen and they stand upright because they found a blessed assurance in Jesus Christ. Come on, I'm talking to some people right now. You've been through too much to lay down. I haven't come this far to turn back. Oh no, I'm gonna do something for God. My life is gonna count for something. You don't have to fail. I wish somebody would high five somebody next to you and say your failure is not final. expect the worst but now you're expecting the best you ex used to expect pain but now you expect deliverance here's what I feel tonight everybody take your hand you had a shipwreck in your life oh yeah you did it's cold it's quivering you got your hand you reach down to build a fire because you realize warmth always comes in the fire come on take your quivering hand you, you've been shipwrecked in winter waters outside of the island of Melita. You, you pick up some sticks and you go to lay it on the fire, but when it does, a viper comes out and latches onto your hand. All you wanted was to feel better, but it brought pain. Come on. You got something attached to your hand now, and guess what it's doing? It's sinking poison into your spirit. But there's just something in you. It says, I didn't get on this journey all by myself. So I think I'll shake it off in the fire. That's what I'm preaching about tonight. This isn't a church that just has a candlestick. We got the fire in the building and it'll kill every serpent of destruction in your life. It'll kill every enemy that's coming against you and your family. Somebody shout yes. Look at your neighbor and say, just shake it off. That which came to destroy you can't hold you. It can't hold you. It tried to put poison in my spirit, but a good old-fashioned Holy Ghost altar, I shook it off. I shook it off. Some of you need to shake it off tonight and let God bring healing. I wish somebody would get out of your seat and say, I'm shaking some things off tonight. I'm not letting bitterness get in my spirit. I'm not letting poison get in my heart. God's gonna do something. God is gonna do something in my family. God's gonna do something. Shake it off tonight. Shake it off tonight. Shake it off. Shake it off in the fire. 
Hallelujah. The mistake was sent to destroy your ministry. And the devil said, you're not good enough. Shake it off in the fire. Because the fire will burn out the chaff. The fire will move the mistake. I'm telling you what I feel tonight. Your failure is not final. Your failure came. Listen, when somebody makes a mistake, when somebody makes a mistake, we judge the sin they commit. God goes all the way back what happened 25 years ago that took 25 years that led up to that mistake. That's why God would judge two people that committed the same crime two different ways. Because a sinner and a transgressor has two different judgments. It's in the scripture. You can study it later. And you're beating yourself up and God's saying, I got everything you need to give you forgiveness and to move on. Shake it off. Get back up. A just man falls seven times. But he'll get back up. I pastor broken people, but I pastor people that know how to get back up and say, he's still my God. He's still on the throne. Sister Danielle, Sister Danielle Morrison, wave your hand back there. Your greatest days are ahead of you, not behind you. I'm telling you what I feel the Lord. I want you to get out of your seat, Sister Danielle, and just begin to worship the Lord because your best days are not behind you. They are ahead of you. Everybody shake it off. Probably had two holes in his hand. My dad was cutting the, cutting the bank one time. You know anything about snakes? I don't like them. There ain't no place for them in a church. Let the church say amen. But he said, if you would take up a deadly serpent, if it bites it, shall not harm you. Some things are products of territory. My dad's cutting the riverbank and felt something latch on his leg. Went home, there were two holes. He was doing it for the beautification of the church. You have two holes from a snake bite, it's a poisonous snake. He said, if the Bible is real, it shall not. I'm doing the work of the Lord. Not one phase happened to him. Now listen, listen, I'm telling you the Holy Ghost. Sometimes territories invite snakes. And they latch on with their mouth. And they try to sink poison even into the man, the prophet of God. But he knew what to do with it. You're dealing with a snake attack, a spiritual attack, get in the fire. Because sometimes new territories, you deal with new things. But you got to get back to where the fire is and shake it off. It'll always kill the viper in your world. There's power in the name. Come on. I'm preaching to some of you that are having some marriage struggles. It's nothing more than attack of the devil. You need to get your spouse's hand and say, we shake it off tonight. We get deliverance in our marriage tonight. We get deliverance with our family tonight. There's power in the church. Somebody shout amen. Now take that hand that was wounded. Got two holes in it. Go to the other side of the island. The king of the island is sick. And he takes his hand. Come here. Takes his hand and lays it on the sick king. And where the devil tried to put poison in, healing came out. I'm telling you, there's healing going to come out of your life. You're going to see it in your home Bible studies. You're going to see it in jail services. You're going to see it. We need the structure. We need the candlesticks. I want every light on but the platform. Every light on but the platform. Turn, turn the platform lights off. Even the screen can. Even, even, even turn the screen off. Be terrible people come to church and there's no light. Preach, preach, but they don't see anything. There's no revelation. There's no power. You got the message down. 
ever the leadership, everybody, we got the, we, we, every, the menorah represents a structure of man's leadership. It's what man can do. It's God's design. It's ordered. It's shaped. It's, by, it's God's design, but man shaped it. It's from man. Man uh, I, uh, mined it, burned it, shaped it, beat it to make, are y'all with me? It's man's ability. Man, God did not hand in the menorah. Man shaped it. And God used it. That's what we call organization. God uses organizations and organization. Planning. We planned 80th anniversary for a year. That's structure. That's man's ability. Can I say to every preacher in the building and every teacher in the building, what good is a candlestick with no fire? What good is a song with no anointing? What good is a jail ministry with no power? Hear me? Brother Simon, God works through man's organization. He works through man's power, but man's, man's gifting, excuse me, but man's gifting, his intellect, his personality, his organization, his processes and protocols, strategies, and structures are no substitute for the power of God. What good is a lamp without oil? Did you hear me today? Turn all the lights out. Hit the one button. Turn them all out. All of them in the building. What good is it if a guest comes here and they have the same thing here they have at home? If the blind lead the blind, they'll both end up in the ditch. Oh, but I look beautiful. I've got holiness. Oh, I'm a good singer. I'm a good preacher. I teach good. I've got great leadership skills. I'm glad for your menorah, but if it's not on fire, it's of no use. It's of no use. It's of no use. Oh God, power us back up. I know we've got a testimony. It's the testimony that brought healing and oil to my life. I can't stop letting it flow through my life. I've got to have the oil. I've got to have the oil. What good is the candlestick with no fire? You'll get your oil from your crisis. You needed healing. You needed saved. But there's only one way to get the fire. You better have an altar in your life that's outside of the church service. No altar. No fire. What, what, what good? What good is a candlestick with bowls? How many four bowls of oil? Four bowls that fed that, that fueled it in there? I know you can't see me, but can you still hear me? Or can you not have a church service without a screen on? Well, I don't know if I'm going to go back because somebody sang out of tune. The preacher was a little bit grumpy today. I don't know if I'm going to go. Quit trying to find a church that pleases you and find one that pleases God. Come on. Go where the spirit's flowing. Go where the power is. Go where there's illumination for your family. Come on. For his word shall be a lamp unto my feet. It shall be a light unto my path. I'm going to tell you what I feel right now, and I'm off just a little bit. I'm not going to let politics tell me what I can and cannot preach. 
This church is ordained by God, only by God. It's through man, but it's from heaven. That's what we gotta have in the church on fire. I want only the sanctuary lights to come on. Only the sanctuary lights to come on. Somebody shout, you gotta have the fire. It's only one way to get fire. It's called sacrifice. It's when you lay something on the altar you don't want to give up. Are y'all hearing me right now? You can tell I'm stirred, but the Lord has visited me twice on the same subject. What use is the menorah without the fire? And you can't have fire without the oil. Oil comes from the pain and suffering in your life that you went through, crisis, mistakes, whatever it might be. It produces oil in your life. Somebody say the anointing. It's what's a representation of healing. When they laid hands, they would anoint them with oil. Oil is for healing. You've got, you, you're going to have things in your life. And sometimes God allows it to crush you so you can be anointed. Otherwise, you'd be lifted up within yourself. So no flesh will get the glory. I'm stirred tonight. You didn't come to church and go to sleep. You could have done that at home. We've got to have the fire. And there's only one way to have fire. You've got to give up something you don't want to give up. It might be morning tiredness. It might be a second service on a Sunday. It might, it, it, there's, there's things that God will challenge. It's giving up something, your time, your desires, your future, whatever. You lay on the altar and say, God, I'm dead. I'm not out to my will. Not my will, but yours be done. I don't care what you want me to do. You call me to Zimbabwe, I'll go. You want me to give up? You want me to give up at three, get up at 3 a.m.? I'll get up at 3 a.m., but here I am. There's people under the sound of my voice that are saying right now, I don't know why I can't feel God. I'm going to tell you why you can't feel God. You don't have any consecration in your life. You've made the church all about you and what he can give you instead of all about him and what you can give him. It's called an altar. If Abraham couldn't move without it, if David couldn't move without it, if Jesus Christ himself couldn't move without it, who are you to think it's just going to fall in your lap? In Leviticus 9 and 24, Leviticus 9 and 24, I want to say I'm coming to a close because that pleased you a lot. But Leviticus 9 and 24, the Bible says, when the bullock was laid upon the altar that was built, when it died, the Bible says a fire came out of heaven, consumed that bullock and that, on that altar. It licked up that dead flesh representative of a life that was given. And he looked, at the, he looked at the priest and he said, don't let that fire go out. You're going to have to feed it every day. I'm telling you what I feel today. We don't need the fire that comes from man. We need the fire that comes from God. Listen, hold on a minute. I'm not talking about day four light. That was light that could be visibly seen by the naked eye of a man. That is moon, sun, and stars. That's day four light. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about day number one light. When he said, let there be light, and there was light. That was created on day one. The moon, sun, and stars, the light that you see wasn't created until day four. What that means is he created his glory before he ever created the light you see with a natural eye. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When he said you're the light of the world, a city set on a hill that can't be hid, he wasn't talking about LED, incandescent, fire that man can bring. You can read that in Leviticus chapter 10 when Nadab and Abihu tried to bypass the brazen altar to go into the holy place and light the candlesticks with fire, strange fire that was man-made. God's not looking for a man-made revival. He's looking for somebody that'll get on an altar until the fire of heaven falls upon him and there's nothing left but his glory. Nothing left but his glory. Matthew 25, Matthew 25. The Bible says there was 10 virgins, there were five wise and five foolish. He came back for those that had oil in their lamp. All the lights turn off. All the lights turn off. Every light in the building, I want to turn off again. That's on. Here's the problem. The reason some of you love church so much because you can only see the kingdom when I'm preaching. 
you go to church on Sunday because all of a sudden the kingdom becomes so clear. You see it now. As soon as you leave here, you take just enough oil with you to get you home, then it's darkness for the rest of the week. You don't even know what the will of God is. No desire to pray, no desire to read your Bible. And your fire goes out every Monday. Oh, but I'm going to get back to the house of God because we can throw it off in the fire. Pastor said throw it off in the fire. What's going to happen to your kids if you don't create a fire in your own house? We don't need to miss church. We don't need to miss church for the world. We don't need to miss church for the stuff that's going on. But I'm going to tell you something else. We can't make it all about church and not have it at home either. I'm talking to you in the Holy Ghost right now. You need more than my light. Need... All you people from different campuses, you need more than your pastor's light. You need to get your own light. You need to get a light that shines in your village, in your neighborhood. Oh, God. I want you to lift your hands and say, God, help me today. Lift your hands. Say, God, I'm going to build an altar that brings the fire. I'm going to build an altar that brings the fire. Jesus. Oh, Jesus. I want you to turn the platform lights on only. Platform lights on. This is why some of you come to church. This is it. I'm going to go get a word from my pastor. I'm not trying to preach myself out of a job. But I'm going to go get a word from a pastor. I appreciate that about you. You consider me shepherd in your life, pastor in life, what it means, elder, bishop. But this was not God's plan. I should disappear. And you get your own relationship with God, not dependent upon mine. My, God, my, my job, of course, is to lead you. It's to lead you to a relationship with Jesus, not to make all your decisions. You gotta have your own altar. I could die tomorrow, who knows? Somebody else step in the pulpit and lead you. There, there's gotta stop this dependence upon somebody else's lamp. One of these days, Brother Parker, that light's gonna burn in you and you gotta get the oil yourself. Right now you got pretty good parents that are doing a good job putting oil in you. Thank God for it. You got a glow about you, Brother Parker. It's awesome. I love it, what I feel. There's a day and time in your life you got to get it for yourself. See, this is how some of you think. Let me show you how God thinks. Are you all ready? Turn this off and then turn that on. Turn the platform lights off and turn that on. That's what God sees. I'm just a minister. I'm the least among you. You know that? I'm the least among you. I'm the least in the building. As your pastor, I'm a minister that only serves to get you where he wants you. His eye's not on me, it's on you. Ye are the light. Sure, he said he was the light, but he turns around and says, you're the city set on a hill that can't be hid. You know why you want me to pray for your guest? Because you don't believe you're the light. You know why you don't teach your neighbor? Because you don't believe you're the light. 
You know why you don't witness? Because you don't believe you're the light. But when you become the light, and you quit hiding it because of insecurities, I don't think they'll accept me. Quit trying to get them to accept you and let them see the light that God put on you. Come on, I'm preaching to you tonight. The revival in Zanesville is not going to be because of Aaron Bounds or the ministry staff of this church or our daughter work pastors. We're the least among you. It's going to happen because there's going to be a revival in the body of Christ to become the light of the world. That's what's going to happen. Do you believe this? Do you believe it? I don't typically do this, but I want everybody to get their cell phone light and turn it on. Everybody in the building, I want you to get your cell phone light. Most of the time you should have it off, amen. What good is a structure if it doesn't have any power? Everybody have your light, better find it before you turn the lights off. Everybody got your light? You got to have your own light. Everybody say your own light. When you turn your headlights on on the way home, you got to think about it. I've got to have my own light to get home. Walk through this dark world. It's getting darker, isn't it? Perilous times. Everybody have your light. Turn, turn, the, turn the lights off. Look around. This is what we should do when we leave the church. We take our light with us. With enough oil to burn and to keep burning. With a, with a personal altar that keeps the fire lit. Y'all believe what I'm preaching to you. The revival is not going to happen in the church building. It's going to happen in the saints' home. And God's about to give this church boldness. I'm telling you, I'm not speaking Zane. I'm, I'm telling every campus, God is about to baptize the body of Christ with boldness. It's going to become radical. You believe it? Shout amen. Boldness is going to override your shyness. Boldness is going to override your timidness. Boldness is going to override your insecurity. God's going to let you be the light in your community, light on your job, light in your family, light to your neighbor. God's about to do this like we've never seen it before. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost is getting ready to fall in this building, but first I need you to repent and ask God to forgive you for not being what he's called you to be. You've had oil. But you need a refilling tonight. I want everybody in the building to begin to say, God, forgive me. Come on, everybody, for not being the light that I should be. For depending on somebody else's oil. He's coming after a bride that's made herself ready. He really is. Hallelujah. 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 In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Forgive us, O oh God, for letting our lamps go dry. Forgive us, God, for having a form of godliness but denying the power on a personal level. Because the church building is not just where the power is. It's in the body of Christ, individually in homes and marriages and families and children. Come on, that's it. Somebody talk to God right now. Lord, I don't want to be a lamp without power. I don't want to be a light candle without light. I don't want to be a saint without oil and a saint without an altar. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. In the name of the Lord. Come on, the glory of the Lord is filling this room right now. The glory of the Lord is coming in this room right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.
Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Stretch your hands toward heaven. Turn the sanctuary lights on, if you will, right now. You lay your phones down, but lift your hands toward heaven. I want you to begin to talk to the Lord right now and pray. God, we want heaven to come into our home. Heaven to come into our home. Lord, it's a refueling station, but we've got to have our own altar. <laughs> oh, God. Hallelujah. 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 In the name of Jesus. I, I, I've spoken my heart tonight. What I preached to you is of the Holy Ghost. How many know it's true? It's, it's true. Uh, I've mentioned this, and I want to say this, that some of you have ref refused to deal with the pain in your life using the antidote or the numbing medication of social media or media. Instead of dealing with real things in your life, you're medicating yourself with media instead of getting down and letting, getting a hold of God. The reason some of you aren't interceding is because you're substituting the burden that God's put in your life with media because you don't want to deal with pain as a Christian. But you can't have power without pain. And you've asked God to use you, but you don't want the burden that goes with you. And sometimes a burden will get you up at 3 a.m. and you're moaning and groaning over somebody, some name that God's given you, a saint or somebody in your life. Are, are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Hallelujah. I want everybody to stand all over the building. I'm, cl I'm closing, I promise, but... Turn the media off. If you're not praying at home, turn it all off until you are praying. Look at your neighbor and say, this is right. Young people, as soon as a burden comes in your life, you, you reach for Instagram or something and you start scrolling because it numbs you away from what God's trying to do. How many know we need a burden? An altar of sacrifice. I, uh, I just I, I feel tonight uh, maybe I feel tonight that you're done, uh, but I feel like the missing treasure of Pentecost is the word until. They prayed until it happened. And I feel like some of you need, need to embrace and ask God to give you a burden that you'll be responsible for the burden that he gives you. The Bible says pray with all prayer and supplication for all saints. And Paul said, and me. That's what he said. Pray for the ministry. But somebody's got to get a burden and deal with that burden. And sometimes it's going to keep you awake at night. I wonder if there's anybody in the building that's willing to take on the burden of the Lord and the burden of the hour and the burden of your city and the burden of a family and the burden of a lost. Come on, if you are, I want you to stretch your hands toward the Lord. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.